Welcome to episode 165 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 165 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm good. A bit angry about the banks, aren't you? Banks. National Bank sucks. <laughs> National Bank sucks. Anybody who works at National Bank, resign. Resign now. Resign. Because they make a profit in recession, aren't That's they? Right. They don't like me. Too much money. Oh, it breaks it hard. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com For the world's best-smelling, best-tasting coffee... Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes for tracking your needs and results. And getting some good competitions in there right nice. now. Nice. And trybuys.com Which may have something to do with those great competitions on Athlinks. Mm. It's, it's good it's, deals. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. win-win. No-brainer. This week's show, what we've got coming up, we've got, where's my show notes? Show notes are up here. We've got uh, news, we've got age group of the week, we've got website, we may not get website of the weekend. We'll Depends see how we see time. how time's going. Depends on time's going. And then we've got an interview. With Ken Glar. Ken Glar. As promised last week. We're going to be doing that in about 45 minutes' time. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to be talking about his career. He's got some probably some pretty interesting insight, given he's done over 50 Ironmans. Yeah, he's uh, had so a lot. bit of experience there. He's still trucking on. He's still pretty fast, isn't he? Honestly, he's, <coughs> he's, he's slowing down a bit, but he's still, you know, he doesn't really keep up with the pros, but in terms of age groupers, he's still right you know, at the front of his age group. Well, he's still under nine and a half, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 On a good day. Um, not not, not, too not too bad. Shit. And uh, also, he's going to talk a little bit about endurance sport travel, which we're teaming up with for our trip over to Kona. Nice, love your work. Uh, news is brought to you by X-Try. Go on there for the latest news, reviews, and pro updates. Yep. Quite good at the pro updates, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. And, uh, well, we had a couple of IM races on over the weekend, and one was called Ironman Japan. Luke McKenzie, 33rd place in Kona last year. <laughs> 33rd place in Kona. Defended the title. And he did well, didn't he? He did it in solid fashion. Yep. You know, it's always defending's defending's tough. Strong swim. Got got the pressure on, and yep. uh, went out there. But has he won it three times now? Two. Is it the second Two. time? Is it? Yeah. Okay. I think he might have won one other race somewhere. I think. Ooh. I'm not quite sure, but anyway, he definitely won it last year. Repeated this year. 28, 28 years old. 46 swim. Solid. Um, when you look at that, sometimes I, I don't know the swim course very well in Japan, but it looks like it might be it. Uh, this sounds funny. A, a swimmer's course. Yep. If you're a strong swimmer, you, you're probably going to be able to. to what makes a swimmer's course? When there's currents and things like that, and you, oh, can, okay. you, can and get you know through, how to work it, you can get through those currents well. Um, whereas weaker swimmers are just going to battle into them and flail around. So yep. you know the swim times we're seeing here. He swam 46 minutes, which is very solid. But then we're seeing you know other splits here of guys in the top 10, some of the Japanese guys as high as 59 minutes. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's uh, yeah big spread there in the swim. Rode a 440. And then just a nice steady run, 302, wasn't really under any pressure. So I did read somewhere, though, that he got to maybe 5K to go. And And he'd stop at the aid station and stuff. Exploding. So he was pretty fortunate he had a pretty comfortable lead. So given that he exploded, 828 is a pretty solid time. Definitely. Uh, Guy, who else? Courtney Ogden, second place. Now, they were pretty close on the bike, weren't they? He's not 37, is he? Crikey. Not going to say that's old John. No, I, didn't, I thought he was a bit of a uh, I thought spring more, chicken. I thought he was more like twenty-seven. Maybe he is. Maybe that's wrong. It could be wrong. But he had a solid return. Uh, didn't see too much of him last year, but good return. Came home eight forty-two. The big man. Big man came home another podium. He's consistent, isn't he? He is. And he's, he's uh, eight forty-five. He's not mucking around. Yeah, on your side of things, we've got old 
Hilary Biscay was leading off the bike, um, first after swim, first off the bike, faded on the run with a 353. I mean, Hilary's weakness is the run, but, but she, a 353 is, yeah. is pretty weak for her, and if she had managed to hold on to you know, a, a, a normal sort of split, um, yeah. she probably would have been she she fairly, fairly close, if not, not winning it. So, yeah. Nicole, Nicole Klinger. Took it out. 103 swim, so there we're seeing another slow swim, 522 on the bike. 3.27 for a 9 hour 52 so quite a slow time for a winning Ironman yeah, time yeah. Um, especially when you look at the guys times that were pretty competitive Nicole Ward was second place in 9.56 and how's that a last one John? Megumi Shigata was third in just over 10 hours in 10.01 10.01 Hillary, Hillary faded to fifth place yeah, beautiful and we also had Ironman quarter the lane on in the weekend and it was an interesting race wasn't it we were talking a big time about how Brian Rhodes would pretty much take it out. We did the commentator's curse. We did the commentator's curse. Didn't have the greatest swim for Brian, and then had bike mechanical problems and ended up blowing in the run. Mm. So it's a bit unfortunate. I thought it was it was there for the taking for him, but Francis, Francisco Pantano, third out of the swim, first after the bike, first after the run, first end of the run, pretty comfortable, yeah. 8, 8.32.12. Yep. Um, TJ Tolkison took him in at second. Mm. And Max Longrie. Um, really good runner. He, I think, he won Ironman UK last year. He came through on the run with a two fifty four uh, to, to to take third place. Girls side of things, interesting race on the girls side of things. Tyler Stewart, machine biker, four fifty nine on that course is very very solid. New course, uh, new course record on the bike, and I'm pretty sure her overall time I think was a course record as well. So she came in with a three fifteen. The girls behind her were closing in on her. Um, early in the run but she just kept a nice steady rhythm yeah, all the way through about four weren't they when mm. they could see her one of them got to like 200 metres within her and then especially, took off at the end especially Kate Major you know 313 for her is not that solid you know she's usually closer to a three hour sort of pace mm. and if she'd done that it would have been uh, really really close so uh, Heather Wordle not bad She was she's right up there third place um, in 934 probably one other thing I want to say there is uh don't don't don't, don't, don't oh, 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 no, I haven't done it yet. Um, four. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, maybe fifth through to, not even fourth through to fourth through to ninth. There was nine minutes covering that, so nice. uh, probably quite a bit of movement there on the it's run. A bit of a bugger. Let's say you're ninth and you're not like nine minutes behind them. You know the difference in paydays, huge, isn't it? Massive. Yeah, <laughs> It'd really break your heart, eh? If I just kind of pass the Actually, I need to give. No, we got a bit of a hard time because. Last week, the UK 70.3 was on, and Ed Hawkins emailed me and he said, look, Bevan, yeah. we gave it no coverage, and we gave other 70.3 races coverage, and we've got a few Pommy listeners. We have. And so I'm, I'm going to give them a quick plug here. Graves and Morrison took it out. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was go- that, that's all we did for last week. We were just saying the winners. That's all we did. And in our defence, if it's not highlighted well on the Ironman site, I must say, yeah, we don't do research. <laughs> no, I do, but it's got, to be, it's got to be up there and it's got to be on time. It's got to be obvious. Must say, must be a hard course. 4.15 was the winning time. Must be a hard course. You know, you've got some, you know, Bjorn, Stephen Bayless came in at second, Fraser Cartmile mm. came in at third, so you've obviously got some pretty good races there in mm. pretty slow time. But it's a, it's a 70.3. And I guess I think Katrina Myerson. Katrina. I think he's pronounced that Katrina. You do? It's a funny yeah. way of spelling it. It is. Okay. The other thing I was going to say, just uh, scanning through those quarter lane results there, the Albinator was in there. Oh, how'd he go? Albinator was about 9.30 mark. Nice. He'll be, he'll be 
semi-satisfied depending on how much training he's done um, Tim Reynolds was uh, across the finish line wearing an IM Talk jersey oh yeah we remember about that loving yeah. that one so uh, hopefully there's a few more of them out there oh. and uh, also a note there a guy that I coached that qualified in Kona there last year uh, he was in the 45 to 49 age group last year yep. and he qualified and he said this year his time wouldn't have even got him in the top 20 really <laughs> so, but was it a faster year this year I think, overall I think Must the weather was a little bit better yep. a, little bit, a little bit kinder but he said it was um, it was quite a big jump up so well so we're seeing it more and more aren't we mm. it's going to be pretty, pretty great to get to Kona don't you ok so we've got Ironman France coming up this weekend and it's obviously it's not a very big pro field is it yeah, what do we got there? About 20, 20. 26 men. Um, often we struggle with a little bit with these European races. We're not quite so familiar with a lot of the athletes, and these courses are a bit more specialist yep. courses. You know, they're really hilly, really tough, and you often see the the Frenchies and the Spanish and so on going going strong there. And we don't they don't get as much cover in, coverage in the English media, so we're not as familiar. So why with aren't them. these guys racing in more of the English races? You know, why aren't they going to America? Why aren't they? Yeah, well, they, these they, aren't well-known names in our. You know, like sure where they are, they're known, but. Well, they've got, to, they've got to pick the races they're good at, I guess, is one thing. And secondly, when you can train at home, you know, you're going to bring your costs right down. And True. we all know, we keep on going on and on about it. There's not a lot of money in Ironman racing. And uh, and they can probably make a bit more. Their, their local smaller races as well look after their sponsors. Their sponsors aren't going to get any coverage. Of throughout so, the year. Um, Marcel Zamora Perez uh, is the number one seed. Hervé Fuave second. And Oscar Galindez is the third seed. Look out for Olivier Marceau, who's number five. He... Uh, ITU sort of guy and we all love the ITU guys they're going to kill everybody yeah, that's what you always say doesn't seem to happen that much does it does a little bit no not as much as you make what, out what about how I predicted uh, Craig Alexander was going to dominate the world <laughs> there we go okay, female pro what have we got here well Gina, Gina Ferguson, Ferguson was yeah. down there a second seat but she's no longer racing oh what happened uh, she decided that she's going to prioritise and just do rote um, so she's oh. not going to do the, do the double when whammy. did she decide this a couple of weeks ago, I think, and then she went off and did a long distance uh, race in, or middle distance race in Asia. I think it was the Asian, maybe the Asian champs got second there. So and she went back from Europe to Asia to do a race. Yeah, and let's go back. Wow. I think it must have been a bit of a payday there. You would, you would hope. Yeah, you'd have to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. So she's she's not racing. Uh, defending champ, I think, is Martina Dogana. Okay, 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 let's just go back to Gina for a second. You go and you go and you go to right. Chrissy Wellington's here. Mm. You know, like. Chris is going to have a pretty bad day for you not to win it. So, as Gina, wouldn't you think you'd be better off to race France and try to get the win there than go to Rote? And well, I think we we know that the guys at Rote look get looked yeah, after really do. well. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's highly unlikely that she's going to beat uh, beat Chrissy. But second place in Rote is probably still better payday than what she'd get for for winning yep. um, for winning this race, winning France, and then it also keeps her. On the good side of the challenge, people, you know, she can do Challenge Wanaka, probably get an easy win there, yep. and they'll probably support her to go and do... And they do um, treat you like a star. Like, if you've won Challenge Wanaka, and you go to, like, Germany, and you do road, mm. that you get the car, you get the package, they look after you big time. Yeah, they? So. and she'll, um, you know, she's done a couple of the, the half-challenge races, so, you know, they, they they scratch people's backs and scratch theirs, which mm. is the way it works. It's great. Uh, so she's not racing, so, you know, defending champion there was uh, Martina Dogna, Alexander Loisson, she's uh, won there as well. And the other one to watch out there is probably Karen Thurig, the Swiss cycling machine. The Swiss cycling machine. That's right. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, so what else is happening in news? Revolution 3 is announcing new Iron Distance race for 2010. So Revolution 3 is basically a new... What is it? Give me some more detail, Well, John. they had a race a couple of weeks ago that we didn't uh, talk about the results here. Matt Reed won and... And what distance was that? It was a half distance. Let's see if I can remember who won the girls. I'm pretty sure it was Marinda Carfrey. Could be okay. wrong there. 
but it's Heather Golnick and yeah. her little team running it. So they did half half distance this this year. Apparently they had fantastic um, internet coverage, and we talked about that a while ago. They had live cameras on the course, they had live GPS coverage, um, and apparently it was fantastic. What kind and, of field did they get? Uh, was it a good sized field? Okay, I was right. I was right. Marinda Carfrey and Matt nice. Um Initially, they had on paper quite a strong field. A few of the guys pulled out, like Cameron Brown pulled out. So it ended up mostly being American um, athletes. What they're doing, uh, the other thing was, was really what about, good, what about age really good prize money. Um, I, I, um, couldn't, I couldn't actually find You know, because the these races are only sustainable if you can get the age group to zero, really, that's right. isn't it? I couldn't actually find the results on the website, so that's a downfall of their. Oh, there we go. 2007 race results you click on that Bevan and okay I'll click see, on that John you can see what sort of a field they got okay uh, and what they've announced now now is they're going to be having a full distance race next yeah. year and it looks like they've done a pretty good job of figuring it out so they've got um, they've done it around a, a theme park or amusement yeah, park yeah amusement park yeah so that your family you can take the family along to watch the race and you know what it's like watching an Ironman you blim and watch for two minutes and then the, you, know, you bugger off for the rest of the day so you can keep the kids occupied and have a family day come back and watch your partner do transition yep. and it's a pretty cool idea right? I think it's fantastic yeah. and they've got big prize money there's 150,000 US prize money great and yeah, most Ironman races have 50,000 US so it's three times the prize money it's at a cool location you've got an athlete Running it, who's a pro athlete, yep. so she's going to know like it's what pretty professional. Got big sponsorship behind it of the right kind of sponsors too. Yeah. Um, so the, the Matt, Matt Reed one, Joe Gamble second, Timothy O'Donnell third, David Thompson fourth, Richie Cunningham fifth, Gilson, Miranda Carfrey, Rebecca Weisner, Natasha Badman didn't realise she raced. She was in third. Joanna Zyger and Amanda Lovato. So good, good athletes. You didn't get the, the the. I mean, Natasha Badman's one of the real rock stars, and Miranda Carfrey, I guess, is the seventy point three world champ. So you did get some some top athletes, but I guess often we look for Macca and Crowey to be there. And if they're not there, yeah. uh, or Stadler, uh, if they're not there, then um, we don't think. So it'll be interesting to see if this pulls, and, and I'd be interested to see if this pulls age groupers. You know what I mean? Like, is, is this race going to be, you know, be a competitor to Ironman? Maybe in a few years from now, but. Click on that one there, and we'll see how many how, how big the field was. I think it does. Uh, well, we're going to find out in just a second. Um, that's the just trying to go from overall numbers. Okay, you keep talking because this is great podcasting. It's great podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's a solid. Oh, okay, yeah, they got. That's a big field. Yep. No, that's, Where are we down to there? That's right down to five hundred or so, and that, I think that's the Olympics. It's five hundred fifty finishes. Yeah, that's a pretty solid size. First and it's year. the half. Yeah, it's the whole half. So yeah. if they have an Olympic race, and because just like I was saying last week, if these races that they can treat it as a triathlon day, mm. you know, whereas I am really doesn't kind of give itself that marketing opportunity, which they probably don't need. But if these races can do that, they can get make their money that way, which is going to make the races. Because when they had the one one series, they had the one race, didn't they? And yeah. so, you know, if you're trying to make profit, you have got to make profit to make these races work. Work, and so yeah, good good luck to them. Also, they had a relay option as well. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Yep. Get everybody involved. Yep. Who's the last person to finish? Last person to finish was a team of Enjoy Life, and they did nine hours and twenty-three minutes. Five hundred forty-nine. Well done. I think a bit of a hard time there. Sorry. Oh, well, you think if you're team, you shouldn't be last? Well, they're competing. They're, they're participating. Hey, that's right, John. It's they didn't get, they didn't get a transition all. prize. Slow transitions. That's right. Beautiful. So revolution three. Th- so look out for. And if you think of doing a, a race in the states next year, you know this is an option. Where is it going to be run, John? Cedar, you know? Cedar Point. Don't okay. know where that is. It's in America. It's in America. I know that much. It's only a little place. Yep. It's uh, beautiful. WTC continue to take over management races. And, oh no, they keep taking over races and they've actually taken over the Australian races from 2011 onwards. Yeah, so I think it's, it's really a case they're not 
letting people renew their licenses. Um, so, which are really suck. If, is it not that they're not letting, or are they buying out? Don't know. Be interesting to know. Don't know. Uh, because let's say you've devoted ten years of your life to. A, I don't know, but we're going to find out. Oh, that's right. John's done some work. John's done some work. I saw this and I thought, right, we need to do some investigative reporting here. Yep. And so, so we're going to be soft cocks, John, or we're going to ask the hard questions. I'm going to ask some hard questions. You're going to ask the hard questions. Yeah. Put so I emailed uh, WTC for about the third or fourth time. I've emailed them for an interview, and we got a response. And we're hopefully that's a big step, first of all, wasn't it? Yeah. Hopefully, we're going to get an interview with them uh, this week and, for next and week's show. talk about things. I mean, we're not going to be cocks about it. But no, but <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to pussy for it. No. Yeah, we're not going to say, oh, we love you guys. Yeah, oh. so uh, we'll see what comes of that, and uh, we'll find out what, what, what they're trying to do. I mean, they're taking out, they've uh, taken over the management of Germany from next year onwards, I believe. Yeah. Um, now they're doing Australia, and that encompasses... Well, they're obviously trying to buy the races up, aren't they? Yeah, that encompasses Western Australia, Ironman Australia, 70.3. And they've um, also started to buy some non-WTC races that are mm-hmm. well-established, mm-hmm. so... New Zealand, I think, will probably be next. Do you think it will be? Uh, you, you assume so. I don't know. We'll find out. It'll be interesting. So they obviously feel there's... What is it? Is it to make more profit for themselves or is it to make more control or is it... Let's ask those questions. Let's not speculate. Let's okay, ask like, let's go to the source. <laughs> okay, so uh, so if you're in Australia from 2011 onwards, they're running your races. Okay, John, let's have a look at discussion of the week. I need to do a bit of pause here. So our discussion of the week this week was uh, regards to triathlon magazines. Are they are they worth the money you're going to spend on them? They're not cheap, let's be honest. No. What are you paying about? 10 bucks New Zealand, Mac? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, Getting up yeah. there. I suppose if you get the subscription, it's probably a little bit cheaper. But anywho, uh, so we've got... I will say that the US Triathlete magazine is pretty cheap to subscribe to, if you subscribe to it for a year. Is it? Yeah. Like what? Uh, 30 bucks US or something like that. Oh, that's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, I can't remember. And exactly. it gets sent here? Yep. Oh, that's pretty good. Yep, I'll be happy with that. Okay, so uh, we haven't really done a piece on this one, so we're just going to kind of jump through them. Andrew Bryn Search, I think they're pretty good. They're pretty good, but they don't have that much to... No, we're, we're not good at winging. <laughs> we're not very good we're readers, not, are we? We're, good, we're both average readers. That's yeah. <laughs> a big part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew says, I like Try220, but to be honest, a lot are very similar. <laughs> so you just wrapped it up. Wrap it up. I love your work. Okay, Mark Hughes says, Here's my rant on the state of the UK Trimags. All of the UK Trimags are a joke. Just expensive comics full of advertisements. I'm a huge fan of Triathlete. It's always full of great articles on races, training, nutrition, and a whole lot, basically. They've been very knowledgeable and talented contributors, such as Mark Allen and Matt Fitzgibbon. Fitzgerald, is he good? All right. Yep. Uh, just read the latest Inside Try and their new coffee table style. Pretty good with some sound articles. Both of these put the aforementioned UK comics to shame. I'd recommend subscribing to the state-sized mags every time. Rant over. Love your work, guys. Mark. John, the mountain snail, Hancock, wasn't nice. commenting on this. He was just saying Bevan butchered the pronunciation of Loughborough University last week, saying... Oh, well, I don't know. Get over it. You know I'm bad at that stuff. You know how many years you've been listening to it. <laughs> Build a bridge. Okay, Stacey Head, I love Triathlete Magazine. I enjoy reading about the pros, getting new training advice. Love the bike and gear porn, and helps me uh, with planning races. I don't like reading about the exterior stuff. Fegan... The so the self-proclaimed deliverer, <laughs> vegan, the Mister Consistency, <laughs> and he how, had, about, how about this? We'll compromise the consistent deliverer. Wow, he's not he hasn't done his consistent research here. Okay, here we go. Because he says that uh, triathlete launching in the UK uh, UK version, um, which which might be good. And then he said that 
uh, until the Newsome comeback show, no mention of Lanzarote. Well, you should do your P's there and go back a few shows because we did discuss the Lanzarote results. And so, we did, yep. No, no, no to you. <laughs> and uh, we, apparently we did miss the Rev 3 race uh, report, which we have. Well, no, we've already done that. We've, we've done did that, that, yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Um, Anything else? That's it. Okay. He agrees that the UK mags, 220, are a whole lot of uh, new bandwagon mags. They're all tailored to the boards, the beginner athlete, and contra- often contradict themselves month by month. One one month saying, use swim gear, the next month saying, don't use it. So re- he's really saying they're tailoring for the, the lower-level ath- lower athlete, the, the beginner market, um, and there's not a lot out there for the, the more hardcore. Okay, this is a good one. I'm going to try to read it. It's from Ryan I. I like reading both triathlete magazines available in the U.S., uh, triathlete Magazine and Inside Triathlon. It's Inside Triathlon still around? The website isn't. It's the same as Triathlete, I think. Because they're owned by the same. Both magazines have been around for a long time, 15 to 20 years plus. The only thing that concerns me is that, as in with other industries, both magazines were purchased by the same private equity firm, similar to WTC and NAS IMAM. Although the company has tried to keep the publications separate and with different content and styles, it concerns me that the news and information provided to the readers is essentially coming from the same source. They can say the publications are separate and have completely different editorial staff, but ownership is the same, which, in my mind, can lead to similar messages, style of reporting, and, ultimately, the same prevailing politics, meaning there is no not distending voice or and or opinion. In fact, the focus of most recent triathlete was essentially the same focus as a regional publication competitor magazine, which is also owned by the same company. The, uh, the articles <coughs> and shoe reviews were essentially the same. That can never be good. Nonetheless, I like receiving my subscription each month and will read the magazines from front to back. It'll be interesting to see how the two magazines evolve being owned by the same company. I'm sure they'll be spun off and sold somewhere and in the next few years as a result of a private equity firm strategy in every other industry. Nice work, Bevan. It was the biggest one there. <laughs> yeah, and I read it pretty well, didn't I? Took it. Thanks, mate. Thanks. There you go. Ken, Ken McLaren chimed in. He was saying that he was involved in the 220 magazine uh, in the oh, start okay. days. And he was saying you know, early on they were really catering for the hardcore side of the market, except the magazine didn't make any money. Yeah. Magazines that are run by big publishing houses really have to make money. Well, and the true. way to do that is they need to tailor it to the, um, the biggest part of the market, which is often the, the newbies, and, uh, and that's what they've got to do. He talks about a magazine which isn't a triathlete magazine, but VO2 in New Zealand is pretty good, isn't it? VO2 magazine in New Zealand covers... Every sport. It covers yeah. endurance sports, basically. Okay, I've got one more. Uh, I'll go for a short one because uh, who needs magazines when you have the internet? Which is a really good point. That's Will Newbury. That's right. That is a really good point. Also, one it? more. Richard uh, Boardman. Triathlete was brilliant while uh, while in the mid in the mid eighties, and it got a great approach to race coverage where they had told a great story, and you didn't really know who was going to win the race until you read the last line of the article. Oh, nice. Whereas these days, everybody wants to get everything in the first. Like you wrapped up because you don't want to read. You did right. well in those last two ones. Uh, yeah, that's good. good. Thank good. you. Thank you. Thank so, um, so your thoughts? Uh, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be more realistic with my expectations when I pick up a magazine. I think these days, if you want in-depth sort of coaching tips and stuff, you go to the internet and you find it, and then you find out exactly what you want. Okay. And if you want race results, you go to the internet as well. So I guess magazines do need to move away from race results. It's nice to see some nice glossy pictures, though, I suppose. It's kind of like the newspaper industry as well, but isn't it? On The Daily Show, do you know The Daily Show? No. John Stewart? 
Oh, it's, honestly, it's the only thing I make a point of watching. I, I watch it on the internet every day. But they had this interview with the guys from the New York Times or whatever, and they're saying, "Isn't everything in your papers yesterday's news?" <laughs> and they go, "No." And they go, "Show me." And everything was, and this guy's bummed out. And that's probably the problem with magazines now. The internet has really taken away a lot of their content, mm. and so they have to really think of different ways to provide content that's valuable. Yeah. And uh, and well, how they do that, I don't know because I don't really read the magazine. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about doing it. I do agree with who is who do I read? Old Ryan about how when you've got a company who owns the marketing and the media for the sport mm. you know and also the objective voice it, it's kind of a conflict yeah. of interest really I think my, my issue with the triathlete as I've said in the past I think it's the best of the magazines that I've seen but I think it's going downhill um, it's just the amount of advertising I think it's getting excessive yeah. um, I think a lot of people do like um, the pros, pros sort of stuff in there and I think that's something they can, can work yep. quite well because uh, you've got to really search the, spend a lot of time on the internet sort of finding that stuff so I think they're doing some things right, but I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I find them going downhill a little bit. The other thing that may be interesting with what's going to happen with it is, um, I've, I've just lost my thought. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> this week, what are we doing this week? Oh, that was a brilliant, I had a brilliant thought too. Did you? Yeah, you hate it when that happens. Yeah. Okay, um, discussion of the week for some of this from Dennis Rogers, and he's saying, uh, oh no, Denise, is it Denise? Denise Rogers. Uh, what crazy things have you done that people won't let you forget in your sport in triathlon you crazy have you got some crazy things got a couple got a couple we'll save them till next week mine are about safety safety I've done yeah. some stupid things in triathlon well in training for triathlon yeah that, well, that, I'll, I'll accept that as yeah, well, you just I will accept that, that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel privileged Go. <laughs> thank you thank you John that's okay okay here we go this is our news and discussion for this week of the week people did like the gangster show John did they we got a lot yeah, of emails we, we loving did. the rap didn't the rap, they yeah rap went down quite well yeah the rap yeah and the papers rock they enjoyed that I forgot about the papers rock <laughs> they like the papers <laughs> rock just remind me who won that uh, I can't remember, can't remember. <laughs> yeah. go, go back and listen <laughs> <laughs> so Phil Patterson is this the Phil Nader Phil Nader yeah. Phil Nader Phil Patterson he's been a regular contributor the last few weeks has he because he, he's got a new kid he's got more time at home That's he's not true. training so much are the kids crying or go on the internet? He's, uh, yeah, he's, it's fair to say he's not training as much. So it's quite he's entered. Richard Swan qualified to go to Kona last year in Ironman 2008. Taupo, with a sizzling 9.36 Ironman. This was finishing off from a 301 marathon, which was the seventh fastest run overall on the day. I thought he went sub through. I thought he went, uh, I actually had a look at the results. I thought he went uh, 258, but could maybe, be wrong. Well, maybe that was with transition. Yeah. So maybe he did. This is his fifth Taupo and his fastest so far. While out training for Kona nine weeks from the race day, he was riding around the suburbs of Auckland with a training partner when the sun blinded him while going down a slope. Let me, let me tell a story because I know the story. So okay. La- last year, Richard Swan qualified for Kona, so we're great. talking nice. uh, great two, race. 2008, put in a solid performance. A few of the fellows were going over to Kona, so he hooked in with um, with Phil. They all had the condo booked up. We talked to Phil from that condo, didn't we? We did, we did. Yep. And Richard was out training, uh, as I said, um, maybe five or six weeks before Kona. Nine weeks. And it's a bit of sunstrike. Ooh, 35 k's an hour, going down a bit of a bump, smacking it. Didn't see what, John? A parked van. That's right. Crack. Oh. He was back in the uh, crack two, two crack vertebrae. And had some serious injuries to his head and neck. Destroyed his bike. 
his helmet, pretty much every item of clothing he was wearing at the time. And he did have to have quite a bit of time off work, really? and he was not able to go to Kona. So that was quite... He was, that would he, break your heart. He was pretty determined to go, apparently, but uh, it was was not, not a safe Oh, really? Like, after the crash, he was sort of determined. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't walk, but yeah. he was planning on doing it. He was off work for a number of months with uh, no exercise at all, and after many months of rehab uh, and rest, almost drove him mad. He returned um, to work part-time in late 2008, he started his training for Ironman New Zealand uh, 2009 shortly after this and teaming up with a successful training partner prepared for the race uh, and was well recovering from his accident with very adver- uh, little adverse effects. Can we carry on, Ben? Well, so he actually managed to get the qualification spot. He got seventh in his age group, which didn't actually get the slot, but he got in a roll down from the 25 nice. to 29 age group. Not only did he come back to finish Ironman Taupo in 2009, uh, 9.44, so he was only 15 minutes behind what he did last oh, year. This is where I was confused. But this year, John, he pulled off a 2.58, so he got the sub-3 marathon. Never right, you or I have done that, have we? You no. got three hours, didn't you? I've got three hours and 15 seconds. Did that break your heart? Right? That must have broken your heart. Uh, it broke your heart. I'll break it one day. Yeah, you will. Uh, pretty impressive age group of run time and put him ninth faster run overall in the day. Very solid. He, has a, he is a, a great runner. Effort. He Obviously. is a good runner. Yeah, uh, and he works hard at all. His well, he's a good runner because I had a look at his athletes profile in the Christchurch half. He did one eleven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's not he's too pretty shabby. solid. Um, used to be from Christchurch. Well, I stayed in Christchurch. Used to be the president of the Canterbury Triathlon Club. Would it not? Um, no, probably not. Uh-huh. And uh, he's pretty young, obviously. Yeah, he's pretty young. Young president. He's a president. <sighs> like Obama. <laughs> um, and uh, he's on athletes. So we like that. I told him to put a, make sure he gets a picture up there. There's no picture up there of him. Oh, sharpen up. And, I want to put that picture on the website this week. He's see. single and available, girls. Oh, really? Ladies. Hey, ladies. I think he is anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was last time I checked. Well, the thing is, if you don't put your picture on here, because if you put your picture on Athlinks, I'll have a look, and I'll steal it and put it on our website this week. Nice. But I'm not going to put the Athlinks logo. Yeah. Might be able to find it for you. Anyway, um... Very solid effort. Oh, it's Fantastic awesome effort. to see him run a two fifty eight in, in Taupo yeah. uh, to get his spot for Kona, and yeah, we'll be over there supporting him in Kona this year. Came on, radio. So, Richard, Richard Swan, Swan, you are our age, age grouper group of the week. week. Right here comes Kingler. Yeah, yeah. Here we go, right now. Okay, on this show today, as promised, we've got Ken Glar from Endurance Sport Travel, and uh, we're going to talk to Ken a little bit about... The legendary his, Ken Glar. Legendary. His career stretches back over 50 Ironmans, multiple times in the top 10 in Kona, third in 1998, and uh, plenty of us Kiwis know him very well because of his fantastic form in Ironman New Zealand, and arguably the greatest sprint finish ever in the history of the sport. Yep. Um, so welcome along to the show, Ken. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, that was 1988. Yeah, I I think I was about four minutes back, maybe at the finish. Um, that's, that's close. Mike right? and I, at one point, were about thirty seconds apart, around eight miles into the run, and then uh, I, I thought I'd have a good chance of catching them towards the end. Uh, it was the old course where we actually ran out the highway all the way past the airport. Um, we had a headwind the whole way out, and I thought, "Oh, this will be great when we get the tailwind," but 
didn't think about the fact that uh, core body temperature would go through the roof with a strong oh, tailwind right, yeah. running. So uh, <laughs> I actually, running into the headwind was much faster than running with the tailwind. Really? Oh, wow. oh yeah. Yeah, because you just, within a mile, you were just cooking. Ah, so tell us a bit about where you started, Ken, because um, obviously you, you, you know, you're racing at a very high level in the, in the 80s. I mean, where, where and when did it all start for you? Um, well, I mean, I started doing endurance stuff when I was a kid. I started as a runner um, and then uh, ran, ran through high school, um, had done some cycling, just like camping trips and stuff, just, just to complement my running. So um, before starting university, I uh, did one triathlon, uh, ran a year on scholarship uh, in Division One school, and then... Um, uh, decided to switch universities, which meant I would have had to sit out a year. Uh, and that's when I really got into triathlon so long. Yeah. And, uh, never, never really looked back. So that was 19, 1983 was the first year of, of doing a lot of tries. And then in 84, I started you know, traveling, going to some of the bigger races. So in, in the early and in, in mid-80s, was there much money around the sport, or you guys were doing it more for the love of the sport then? Um, the, the mid, by, by 84, there wasn't a lot by, by 86, it was pretty good. Um, you know, you, I, I was making a good living, um, 85, 86 for, you know, for a 22 year old, I I was living, you know, living like a poor university student, you know, just being real careful with my money and, you know, uh, you know, sharing an apartment with three or four other guys or something like that. So, um, but you know, I got to, uh, got to train full time and travel all over the world. And, uh, you know, the money eventually got a little better and sponsorship got a little better, but, uh, it was never a, a big money-making operation, that's for sure. Well, you, were, like, you were in the time when there was a lot of unknown in the sport. You know, you didn't know much about nutrition, the bikes didn't, you know, there wasn't as much technology in, that goes into sport as what it does nowadays. Was it really a fascinating time in that way because everyone was kind of discovering at the same time? Uh, yeah, I mean, we there were things that, I mean, back in the mid-'80s, we still, as part of the first, sports physiology i mean we knew we knew a lot of what is known today um obviously some of the equipment um was not as as good i mean wetsuits were wetsuits were a joke back then i mean i when i first started we just didn't even wear wetsuits Uh, you know i mean they were so slow but um starting about 85 86 they started getting a little bit better but still very restrictive you you would only wear it if you had to kind of thing um and then as far as uh as far as the bikes i mean by you know after the 84 olympics um a lot was done with aerodynamics for the 84 olympics and steve had to come out with um i i rode one of his disc wheels i guess at the beginning of 86 um uh, his wife Annie, um, not his wife then, but now his wife Annie, and uh, Julie Olson, who was uh, second or third in Hawaii the year before, um, they they did a couple races in '85 on a disc wheel, and then '86 he really started marking in it. So, um, so that was kind of the beginning of the the aerodynamic side of things in 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 triathlons. Uh, then soon after that, uh, Giro came out with the. The Arrowhead helmet, and uh, 
then the uh, you know uh, Boone Lennon came out with the Scott Bars, uh, you know, uh, in '87. So um, really, since since about '88 or so, there hasn't been a ton of advance in in what what knowledge we had as far as aerodynamics. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of materials have changed. Yeah, yeah. You know, carbon fiber with a. I mean, I I probably broke three or four. Um, of the original Kestrels uh, <laughs> until they, you know, until they learned how to, you know, how much they had to beef up the bottom bracket area, things like that. Um, it was, it was a, you know, it was a strong learning curve. Um, that was really the beginning of the carbon fiber material. I mean, you, you talked a little bit about your, your knowledge of physiology and so on. I mean, um, if you knew what you, you know now back, back then, would you have changed your training very much? And, and has your training changed significantly over the years while you were still racing at the top level? Uh, unfortunately, no. The, the, main thing that, um, the main thing that I would, tra- I would change is something that I've actually learned after I um, you know, stopped training at, at a high level um, and after I had started my business. And, and that is that um, the volume that I was doing leading up to a race like Hawaii where I was doing, uh, you know, five to 600 miles a week for five weeks straight on the bike, you know, so, you know, anywhere from 850 to 1,000 K a week on the bike, yeah. um, running, you know, about 120 K on the run somewhere, you know, 70, 80 miles on the run. Yeah. Uh, those types of volumes, um, I would do that for between four and five weeks, but then I'd only give myself a two-week taper. Right. And I think uh, without changing any of the training that I did, if I would have given myself a three- or four-week taper, um, maybe done one or two Olympic distance races to really sharpen up um, during that taper, I think I would have improved my time significantly. So, so it was really the taper that I would have changed, not necessarily the training. That's good. Um, I mean, you, you've been quite a prestigious racer, you know, um, and, and quite a few races. Prolific racer as well. And we've seen down here a lot in New Zealand, and, and we've seen results from all over the world. I mean, have you done majority of the Ironman races around the world, or maybe tell us the ones you have done and, and ones you may be planning on doing? Um. No, I mean, they've added so many now, and I have, you know, I have some of my favorites that I keep going back to, which, you know, some people laugh about, you know, why not go out and try others, but, um, so there's a lot that I haven't done. I, I've done, um, uh, I've done Brazil, uh, probably six or seven times, uh, I've done New Zealand about 14 times, um, Canada I've done three or four times, um. The first, the first six years or so of, of doing Ironman racing, I didn't do any other races. It wasn't uh, any other Ironmans. It wasn't until 19, um, 1990 that I did uh, Ironman New Zealand. Now, that was actually my first Ironman outside of Hawaii. So, oh, really? Um, yeah. So I've done Hawaii 25 times. So, I mean, of my 50 races between Hawaii, <laughs> between Hawaii New Zealand, and Brazil... Um, that accounts for about 45 of them. Right. Uh, of the, I guess I've done close to 60 now. I'm not sure. Right. You're obviously not getting tired of the sport. You know, you've continually done it for over 25, 30 years now, and it's like, um, or 25 years. You know, what keeps you motivated and keeps you going as an athlete ongoing? 
Oh, I mean, if I, if I could, I mean, if I if I could walk out the door tomorrow and know that you know I had the financial backing to be able to go out and train full time and race full time, um, I'd do it in a second. I really, mean, I absolutely love training. Um, I love racing as well, but I mean, racing obviously, you know, you don't do it that often, so you better love the training first of all. Yeah. Um, you know, because you spend 99% of your time training and maybe 1% or 2% racing. So um, I, I definitely uh, would still, without a doubt, that would be my favorite thing to do in the world, would just to be out on my bike, out running, swimming 30, 40 hours a week. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you see that as a, a trend that's changing a little bit? Because you, you talk to you know, Melina's from Christchurch as well, and, we, and, he, and he just loves training as well. Does, yeah. And yeah. Do you see that as a bit of a trend that's changing in the current athletes, whereas they're more race and, and result-focused as opposed to having that absolute passion for just being out there and doing it? Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people have got into the sport simply because um, – you know, they've had coaches and so forth tell them, well, you know, you're a good swimmer, but not quite good enough. Um, you know, you did some cross country or track running, uh, you know, in junior high, high school kind of thing. Maybe you should get into doing tries. Um, you know, and it's not so much people didn't, aren't getting into the sport, uh, not not all across the board. I don't want to generalize, but yeah. I think a lot of the people that are getting into the sport are people that are looking for a sport that they can excel at, mm. not necessarily one that they you know that they really, really enjoy awesome. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and the they, I mean, in the early days, I mean, we we absolutely loved training. We loved the sport. Um, we loved the traveling. I mean, we would knock heads at races. I mean, two seconds before the gun go off, you know, we'd be goofing around with each other. The second the gun went off, you know, we raced hard. Yep. Uh, the second you crossed the line, you know, you're all best bed, best buddies again. You know, I mean, it's, you know, um, I just think things have become a lot more cutthroat. And I, I, you know, I really think that once you, once the sport got into the Olympics, it just took a totally different attitude. So, so in regards to that, you know, you were a pro. You've been a pro in the late eighties and early nineties, and um, all for a bit, for a period there. And what's the difference between being a pro now in comparison to those times? Do you think it's better to be a pro now, or do you think the sport's kind of losing a bit of its kind of I don't know its roots through what's happening in this moment in time? Well, I I think the difference now. Um, is that there's so many names out there, um, and the especially in the ITU racing, um, because it's draft legal, um, you know it really comes down to the run in most most cases. So from one week to the next, you have somebody finishing, you know, finishing first, second, third, and the next week, you know, if they, you know, if there's any slip up in transition from from uh, you know swim the bike and they lose that first pack. Next thing you know, they're they're twentieth the next weekend. Mm. You know, so there's there's not as much consistency in in the top names as yeah. what there was years ago. Uh, now, when you move into the half Ironman Ironman distance, that's not necessarily the case. Um, the difference I see now is how spread out things are. I mean, when I would show up at Ironman New Zealand in the early nineties. Um, 
even though it was a very early season race for those racing in the Northern Hemisphere or those wanting to do well in Hawaii, um, we'd show up at New Zealand. There'd still be four or five guys that were in the top ten in Hawaii the year before, and the same in the women's field. Yeah. And just in that, if you showed up at Ironman Canada or Ironman Germany, it would be the same thing. So, I mean, when you showed up at an Ironman race, it was always very, very highly competitive. Anywhere from three to six of the top ten people from Hawaii would wind up being in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, you can go to an Ironman race, and and there there's nobody there's nobody in the field yeah. that's ever been in the top ten in Hawaii. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know. I mean, and that's it's it's quite possible to show up at a race where there, there's not one single top ten Hawaii finisher in the men's or women's field, yeah. and. Um, and, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I just think that it, it has spread the field out. Now, that said, the the depth of field is much greater now. Mm. I mean, back in the, the early 90s, if, um, if you were having a good race, came off the bike, and at mile 15 of the run, you started falling apart, um, and you were in third place, and you know maybe your pace slipped off uh, you know, 30, 40 seconds a mile for the last, um, the last 10 miles. Uh, you might lose two or three places. Uh, now, if that happens, you know there's somebody coming across the line in Hawaii. Once you once you get past like sixth or seventh place, mm. there's somebody coming across the line. You know, every forty seconds to a minute. Yeah. You know, and then once you get back to about twentieth or twenty fifth, you know, there's almost a person every thirty, thirty, forty seconds. So yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not that. There's not that uh, margin of error, but when you look up at the very front of the field through the first three, four, five places, the, the times are really not much different at all than what they were back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so it's really the depth of field that's changed, not necessarily the front end of the field. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting times with the, yeah. Where do you see the future of the sport, Ken? Like, do you, where do you see it moving in the future in regards to Iron Man, where Iron Man will be maybe 10, 15 years from now? <laughs> that's yeah. a big question, Bevan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's hard to say. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I've always been a firm believer that if, you know, um, if, if somebody stepped up to the plate, and Iron Man Corporation, obviously, uh, World Triathlon Corporation has the money to do it. I think if they stepped up to the plate and threw you know, a million or $2 million down as the prize money, um, that, that would all of a sudden attract a ton of mainstream media. Yep. Um, they would, within a year, they would recoup all that benefit, all that investment, um, in increased sponsorship. Um, and the sport would all of a sudden be elevated to a totally different level. Mm-hmm. And I think in the, in the long run, Ironman, WTC, and Sport of Triathlon as a whole would all benefit greatly. I, I think they'd get every penny of that back if, right. if they ever did something like that. Uh, I would love to see it. Uh, well, you know, I mean, if oh. you had it, you know, and I'm not saying have it too top-heavy. I, I think I, I, I really hate things that are super top-heavy, you know, where you have, you know, the winner walking away with a, you know, you don't want the winner to walk away with hundred uh, with half a million dollars and uh, yep. and fifth place to walk away with ten thousand or something. You yeah. know, but um, I, I do think that we need we need a couple of of races where 
you know, you're talking prize money in the realm of, uh, of what they have at some of the, you know, the, the golf tournaments or something yeah. to, um, to really pique the mainstream media's interest. Like, you're kind of known as one of the good guys of the sport, you know. Like, there's, for example, in New Zealand a few years ago, when that lady came across the line maybe five minutes behind the cutoff time, you went home, got your medal for her. And, you know, what, what does being an Ironman mean to King Gla? I, I think it's a, it's a lifestyle. Um, the training's a lifestyle. The, you know, getting out there and meeting the people. I mean, that's, that's a big part of what my company is about is getting people to travel outside of their home country where, you know, their comfort zone as far as, you know, races and, and going to foreign races, um, and, you know, getting to experience not only the culture of the, the place you're going to, but, um, getting to meet people from all over the world. So like, like my tour, say the Ironman China, um, the last two years, um, yeah, you're going and you're, you, you're getting to experience China, which is an amazing experience. At the same time, you're sitting at breakfast, eating, eating breakfast with people from three or four different countries. I mean, I had 23 different countries represented on my tour last year. Um, you know, the same with like Ironman Brazil would be, you know, very similar. And we do a lot of, you know, buffet breakfast, buffet dinners where, you know, you can sit down and have a cup of coffee with someone that's just finishing up eating and then go up and fill your plate up and sit down with somebody else because, you know, you can move from table to table because you're not waiting to get a check at the end of the meal. And, you know, it's, and, and it just, the group dynamics really build. And that, I think, is a big part of, of Ironman is, is uh, it's such an international event and uh, just getting to meet people from all these different places and getting to race in all these different places, that, that's the exciting part of it to me. Someone that goes to, you know, um, Lake Placid, you know, 10 years in a row, um, which is a predominantly um, Northeast-based um, participation list, um, you know, that's the kind of person I want to say, hey, you know, come down to Brazil or yeah. go over to Ironman Germany or Ironman France or something like that, you know, take, you know, you, you put your family through, you know, three, four five months of training, uh, you know, where, where they don't see you on the weekends, you know, reward them with a trip somewhere, you know, and well, the same um, with somebody say somebody from Brazil, you know, Hey, come on up and do Lake Placid, you know, come experience that. What was China like? Um, you know, we've heard different reports. I mean, obviously the race is incredibly grueling. Um, <laughs> but uh, what, what was it like as an event and, and its location? Because I'm sure it's the one that fascinates quite a few people. Well, I think, um, I think this year's course was much better. Um, and this year's course was, was excellent on the bike. I mean, the bike course was just absolutely wonderful. Really? Um, the run course, they had to change at the last minute because um, there were some local protests over um, some, some uh, land deals that the government had done and not compensated the locals. So they wanted to avoid, which is pretty, pretty unique. I mean, uh, right uh, less than a kilometer from the hotel, uh, you know, the locals just sat down in the middle of the road and just blocked the road. Oh, really? and, and for hours and hours. And luckily I had a van on each side. So I was able to run shuttles to the airport, pick people up. They'd come back, get off of that shuttle, 
walk through the protest on the bike, and then get on another van for the last kilometer back to the hotel. But most people would think, most people that don't live in China or haven't experienced China would think that protesting in China is something that there's no way you could ever do. Yeah. You know, the police would be there in a second cracking down on it. Not the case at all, wow. you know. And um, to the point where the race organizer said, well, that, that area where they were protesting wasn't actually part of the course, but part of the run course did go on land that was owned by the same group of people. So that at the last minute, they had to change the run course, and it wasn't, it wasn't as picturesque as, as what it was supposed to be. But um, the, the grueling part of the race in China, I mean, the, the course itself is a super fast course. Um, brand new pavement for 95% of the course. Oh, really? Roads like uh, roads that would blow away anything out there except for maybe some of the roads in Germany, Switzerland kind of thing. So a little um, bit a little bit better than uh, than I mean New Zealand. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean <laughs> if we could do circles around one of the you know, one of the uh, hot mixed uh, roundabouts there in the middle of Taupo. That, that's about what the course surface is like the entire way in, in uh, China. But no, what's happened with China is just really bad luck the last two years. Uh, two years ago, most of the week, the, the weather was in, uh, was in the low 30s, so it was warm. And then um, on the Friday before the race, it was, uh, it was, it was only 25 degrees. And then on, on Sunday, it was... Uh, uh, what was it? It was uh, 41. Wow. I think it was 41 last year. Wow. And then this year, it was much cooler all week long. The Monday the week before the race was probably the only day that got up to 30. Most days were like 27, 28, maybe not even that. And race day was uh, 45. <laughs> 100, 114 degrees Fahrenheit. That's just crazy, isn't it? Uh, it, it was, it, and it was humid because it rained the entire day before. Uh, and um, you know, and it was just bad luck. You know, two years in a row, bad luck. Because uh, basically, any other day of the week, um, well, the day before the race rained this year, but um, that was the only that, and the Sunday the week before was the only rain we got the whole time. So, um, it is it is a very very cool experience that's mm-hmm. for sure it's um to be on a brand new four lane highway um that would you know blow away just about anything you would find in the world and when you look off the side of the highway there's somebody working uh you know working in the field with a you know a water buffalo pulling the plow yeah it's pretty cool so, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, and then you look up and there's this brand new, you know, super modern building. So it's like, you know, 21st century here and look to your right and it's it's 14th century. Yeah. So how did your business come about, Ken? Um, your, your website's endurancesportstravel.com and uh, you obviously coordinate getting people to Ironman races around the world. How did, how did it all start out? Um, it came out of my association with Ironman Brazil. I, um, I did the race four times, um, won the race the first four times they had it. The first time was like a two-thirds Ironman distance, and then three years as an Ironman distance up in Port Escuro. And um, that guy's contract was for four years. At the end of four years, he had only gotten the field up to 300 people. So, you know, Ironman Corporation was not, WTC was not real impressed. Um, Myself and some other guys that I knew in Brazil approached them 
and um, we got the contract for starting in 2001. And um, I had, uh, in October 2000, we signed a deal for somebody to be the, um, you know, the tour operator to try getting more, you know, North Americans and stuff down to the event. And uh, it just, um, you know, we were not impressed with what he had done in 2001. So um, come 2002, um, you know, I started endurance sports travel primarily to get the numbers up down in Brazil. So, I mean, our first year, we, we did okay. I mean, he went from 300 being his best after four years, and our first year, we were over 500. The second nice. year, I think we were over 600. Um, and we just, you know, we've built from there. Um, and, um, you know, early days, there was actually, there was many more foreigners than there were Brazilians in the race now. I think this year there was close to 900 Brazilians out of the oh, really? uh, the field wow. of 1,500. So um, the sport's really taken off there, but we still get, you know, we get two, 300. I think there were 300 from Argentina this year, and then uh, probably, you know, close to 40 different countries represented, 35 countries. So, I mean, obviously now you've expanded, you go to you know, a fairly good portion of the Ironman races around the world. Well, it, it didn't kind of make sense to me to put on a good show down in Brazil, um, you know, with my company. Um, as much as people might love a race, people that are traveling to races overseas don't want to go back to the same race over and over again. You know, they, they might come back to Ironman Brazil two or three years later, but in the interim, you know, they want to go to Europe or they want to go down to New Zealand. Or So here I was, I created this great relationship with someone and then I can't offer them anything else. So, yes. um, and, and it was also a way to build Ironman Brazil. I mean, if I took, uh, you know, 30 or 40 athletes to Ironman New Zealand and they loved what I did there, they come back to me and they say, oh, where else do you go? Yep. And you know, so, um, you know, it, at first, you know, my partners were like, oh, geez, you know, this is going to take away from our race. But I saw it as the opposite. Anything that got people to travel outside of their their region to go to Ironman races was a good thing for races that um, that were relying heavily on foreign participation, which New Zealand does, which Ironman Brazil did, uh, not so much now, but, well, still, you know, more than a third of the field, uh, you know, 600 athletes are still, still from outside Brazil. So, I mean, that's still a big chunk of athletes. So, um, so I mean... It, and it also just changes the dynamics of a race. I mean, when you show up a race and, uh, you know, 95% of the field is, is from, from that country, um, I don't think that it has, has as much, um, you know, flavor to the race. Yeah, no, I agree, because when we do New Zealand, it's always cool when you see the flags from all different countries and yeah. it doesn't feel pretty international. Um, so now you go to you go to Germany, you go to New Zealand, um, you do most of the North American races, Switzerland, France, any others? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I do, in Europe I have four. I have uh, France, Switzerland, Austria, and Germany. Yeah. Um, obviously, Ironman Brazil, New Zealand, um, Western Australia, which I haven't had a lot of luck with, yeah. um, you know, uh, especially with North Americans and, and South Americans, it's just a really long trip. Um, then, uh, yeah, I mean, 
this year I really, really got stuck pretty big into the North American races, um, just uh, just as a way of of getting my non North American clients to start traveling, traveling with me, you yeah. know, up up here. So um, I have um, five races in North America this year, um, and I have a few halves. Uh, uh, St. Croix, I just did it kind of as a test thing this year. It's That's one of my favorite races, so I'm looking forward to really having a big group in St. Croix next year. And without a doubt, one of my favorite all-time races is the Half Ironman in, in Pucan in Chile. Oh, yeah, um, yeah I've seen pictures of that. It's an absolutely gorgeous race, but even more so is uh, just all the great things that you can do there. Right. I mean, uh, within half an hour of the town, you're... you're you can climb a live active volcano. I mean, I've been up on top of this thing looking down in at the lava spraying up, cool. you know, 40, 50 meters wow. away. It's uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, we've, we've done, uh, you know, you can go horseback riding there, rafting, kayaking, uh, rappelling, uh, canyoning. Uh, you know, it's just uh, people that are into trout fishing. There's, you know, some of the best trout fishing in the world. So it's, a, it's actually very similar um, to um, to Taupo, really, and the areas around Taupo yeah. as far as the, the variety of outdoor activities that you can do. And, and how does it work? I mean, obviously there's this tour companies and you get on a bus and you arrive and they drop you off at the hotel. I mean... How does it sort of work with you guys? Because we have had some good feedback from guys that have been on your tours and saying it is um, a little bit different. I mean, um, what is the difference yeah, we, in, in what you do? We really here? don't, uh, you know, we're not a big, uh, you know, provide you with a with an air ticket in a hotel room and, and drop you off and that's it. I mean, it's, uh, the way the internet is now, especially if it's a country that um, – speaks the same language as you, why would you go with a company like that? I mean, it just, uh, uh, if, if they're not providing a lot of services that, that aren't easily, you know, grabbed off the internet, there's not a whole lot of benefit. So, I mean, what we provide um, is basically everything you need. Uh, you know, um, New Zealand, for example, we have, uh, we, we do the transfers from Auckland. You know, because you can't fly into Taupo with your bike. Um, If you want to fly into Taupo, you can do that. We'll meet you at the airport in Auckland, grab your bike off you that morning. You know, if you fly in from from North America, arrive at 530 in the morning, we'll grab your bike, and uh, you can jump on an 830 flight down to Taupo, and and we'll transport your bike down, and it'll meet you down there that afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, you know, people enjoy the three-and-a-half-hour ride down, get to see some of the countryside. So we do the transfer down. Then once you're down there, um, every day we do course tours. You know, we we go down to the swim every day. We, We go out on the bike, but we don't just throw you in a van and take you out on the bike course and show it to you. We actually put the bikes in the van, so today yeah. you can ride from from town out to the turnaround. Yeah, jump in the van and drive back. Then tomorrow you jump in the van, drive out, and ride your bike back. Mm-hmm. So you can break the course into segments because you know nobody wants to ride 90k the week you know three, four, five days before the race. But exactly. you know if you can go out and ride uh, you know 30 or 40k each day and get to see the entire course. So, I mean, it's a bit of a hassle for us, but it's it's something really good for the athletes. And yeah. we do the same thing in Hawaii, uh, you know, where it's, 
you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, an out and back course. So I mean, to see the entire course is not easy. Um, so, so we break the course up into segments and, um, you know, different athletes do different segments each, you know, each day leading up to the race. Um, we have bike mechanics, uh, you know, um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the name, uh, Blair Cox, who, yeah, uh, Wealth games medalist uh, in cycling and, uh, a very accomplished uh, triathlete himself. Um, you know, he he's worked as our mechanic uh, every year that that have had the event there, and um, and now I, I bring a guy over from from Australia, um, Dan Evans, that's uh, that goes up to Kona and works for a month or two up in Kona every year. Um, he's come over the last two years and worked in New Zealand, and this year went up to China and worked in China for me. So. We usually have a very professional mechanic. I got a mechanic from England that that helps out with our races over in Europe. Um, I have some mechanics down in Brazil that are freaking like surgeons. I mean, these, (laughs) you know. So, um, you know, and you know, it's amazing the number of issues you'll have with bikes. I mean, and I sent out a very a very informative email before the race telling people exactly what type of stuff they should have looked on their bike. You know, don't show up in an Ironman race with your bike in lousy condition, you know, mm-hmm. after all that time and money you've spent. And I'll have people show up. They will have taken their bike to their local mechanic, had a, you know, complete overhaul of their bike, supposedly. And they'll hand it off to Blair, and, you know, Blair will spend an hour fixing all the crap that's wrong with it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it's it's just amazing. I mean, there's you know people are running around out there with, you know, U.S. you know eight thousand to ten thousand dollar bikes, you know, fifteen thousand dollars New Zealand, and uh, and they're having some you know nineteen year old kid that you know works part time in a in a bike shop work on this bike, yeah. you know. Um, so, so I mean, they're the kind of services we have. Then the, you know, the group meals, the breakfast every day at just about every race, and some of the races we have dinner every day. Um, a race like New Zealand, we have three meals we do down, three dinners we do down in New Zealand. Um, Hawaii, we just do uh, because everybody's staying in condos. We do a breakfast just to get the group together every morning, um, but we only do one dinner. We do a welcome dinner. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have massage therapists, um, all your local transportation, so you don't need to rent a car, which, um, you know, a lot of people are, are not real comfortable. I mean, you know, driving in Brazil or people from North America are not real comfortable driving in New Zealand on the opposite side of the road. might be the same for a New Zealander or Australian coming up to the U.S. Um, so we, we provide all that transport. Um, and once again, it's another... It's another occasion for people to meet people when they jump in the vans, you know. Um, so I guess it's, it's just basically taking the hassle out of it, out of uh, the whole package, really, isn't it? And, and creating yeah, whole, yeah, and an experience and on top of the Ironman experience, and being with like one of people, yeah. you know what I mean, who can answer. Yeah, and we focus, we focus, yeah. we focus really strongly on the families as well. Um, I mean, you you can go to an Ironman race and enjoy yourself as long as you have a good race. If other stuff doesn't go quite right you're still going to walk away happy if you have a good race. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if you brought your, uh, you know, if, if you're a woman and you brought your, your husband along and he's just had a totally horrible time, um, 
you know, the next time you say, well, you know, instead of going to New Zealand, let's go to Brazil next year. He's like, shit, I hated New Zealand. You know, they, you know, <laughs> sat around the hotel room, did nothing all week. You know, so we make sure we have stuff going on for the families, you know, so that when you're out doing the bike course, you know, there's stuff for them to do. I mean, in Hawaii, the one main place that we that we ride to and from is Hapuna Beach, which is one of the nicer beaches out there. So family can go in the van and go out and hang out at Hapuna Beach for a couple hours while the athletes are riding. Um, We take people down to the end of the world, which is um, a place that not many people know about, just just beyond uh, what used to be the, what they called the pit down in Keohoe. And there's a, you know, you jump off the cliffs there and there's a cave, a water cave there. And uh, we take people, you know, to Turtle Beach to swim with the turtles, stuff like that. Uh, Down in Brazil, we have, um, we have multiple day trips, you know, canopy where you're, where you're doing, uh, you know, like ropes courses and stuff like that and uh, cultural tours. And so, you know, focusing in on the family is real important to me because a lot of times it will actually be. Um, not the athlete, but a family member that comes up to me after the race and says, well, where else do you guys go? (laughs) Next year, I want to, if I'm going to put up with him training all year long, I want to go to a nice place like this again. So, uh, uh, I was going to say, I had something else about to say, Bevan. Um, you want to go into the wood, don't you, John? I want to go into the <laughs> jump off that cliff. So I, was, I was planning a big week of uh, training when I'm in Kona, but oh, it sounds like I'm going to have too much else to do. Go to the beach. Hey, um, so where, where do we go? We go um, durantsporttravel.com, and that's got all the information on it, all the races there. Correct. Now, we just um, we just have a, we have a brand-new-look website. I know. I was loving the website, mate. I was, I was commenting last week on the show about it. It's looking sharp. It's a, it's a very sharp website. We still, um, you know, we still need to upload all the photos for all the different races, all okay. the different hotels, that kind of thing. Um, but the look of the website and the functionality of the website, that part of it is is up and running. Um, and uh, so it's just a matter of you know putting in the photos. We're going to do video. Um, the the one cool thing is we're going to have. Um, we're going to have a Facebook page that'll you'll be able to link to the Facebook page from um, from our website. In every race, we'll have a Facebook page. So if you do uh, if you do Ironman Germany and say we have thirty forty athletes do Ironman Germany, um, they can all communicate after the race with each other on Facebook. They can post their photos up there, and they can and then we'll also have a, a link from the Facebook page to um, any YouTube videos that people want to paste. So, um, so you know, it, it won't be just stuff that we'll be putting up. There'll be, uh, it, it'll be the experience from the athletes and from the family members, exactly how they experience the race. And you've got a few last-minute um, things available with Switzerland and was it Placid? Well, yeah, unfortunately, the Switzerland and Placid stuff are kind of, um, at this point, I sent everything in uh, for both those races. We did. Uh, I can still get people into Switzerland, um, uh, Lake Placid. I'm pretty much done with that. So, yeah. as far as uh, races that are sold out, races that we have uh, entries for uh, that are coming up, um, Ironman Canada, which is one of the most popular races mm. in the world, we have. Uh, we still have about um, 
I'd say close to 30 entries available for that race. We have accommodation and the full tour package up there. Um, Ironman Wisconsin, uh, we have about 15 or 16 entries still available. Um, Ironman Florida, we had 46 entries and they're, they're all gone. Um, mostly with, uh, South Americans. Um, and, uh, a few weeks after, two weeks after um, Florida is Ironman Arizona, which is another sold-out race, and we have um, we have 40 entries for that race. I think we probably still have about um, about 35, 33 of those left. We're just now about to um, put up the um, the package for that race. So, yes. um, so if you guys want to check it out, you go to endurancesportstravel.com and uh, get in contact with them there and. Uh, we're going, to, we're going to be there with them in Kona, so yeah, oh. uh, we'll get to have a chat to everybody there. And um, yeah, looking forward to from Ken and the crew there. Tell you. So um, thanks very much for your time, Ken. Love. Oh, what, one other question I had, Ken. Do you still yes. race in the speedos and singlet? No, no, I yeah, got away from that about two or three years ago. <sighs> Disappointing. Disappointing. I know. I, I, my 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 guys You're working for me. My guys working for me here wanted me to go retro for my 25th uh, race last year in Kona, and you know, go with like a, uh, you know, a, a fluorescent fluorescent baby <laughs> nice. and singlet. And, uh, didn't didn't quite uh, talk me into it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for your time, um, and we'll uh, yeah, endurancesporttravel.com is the website, and um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you in Kona. Sponsors. We've got a we've got a sponsor combination, haven't we? We have. It's a combination of our sponsors. And what's happened is Athlinks.com. Oh, love it. We've got some winners on Athlinks. Well, Fegan. Fegan uh, won a prize. Oh really? Yeah. What did he win? He won uh, I think it was a Timex watch. Did he really? Yeah. So we're, the we're concert gonna, deliverer. We're gonna put um can you put that link what on the his wife says that. Can you put the <laughs> can you put that link on the website? That one yeah, there. I will I'll so click on it right now. We're yeah. gonna put a link on the website to Athlinks, um, and it basically shows you what you need to do to be part of the competition. Obviously you need to be um, an Athlinks member, so you just need to go on there, create a identity and, and claim some races. Yep. You then need to go on there and uh, and just um, click put put your gear, what gear you use. I've even got a video tutorial. Exactly. Uh. You need to make try buys a friend of yours. Once you've done that, you're in the draw, and also you enhance your opportunity of winning prizes if you do mini race reports. You know, so, so you did a race, put in whether it was your ABC yep. D race. Well, um, Gary, the deliverer. And he's even got his IM talk jersey on his photo. Nice. He won a Timex Sleek Eye Control 50-lap watch. Well, that's He's been cool. heaps of other prizes, um, Blue 70 goggles. Um, he did pretty well, packs, actually, really, because I've never won to watch the goggles. Helmets, cycling shoes, Newton running shoes. The big one's coming up, but the wetsuit. And a, uh, and a track burn. stand. Yeah. So there's some bloody good things to be won there. So get on there, athlinks.com. Add Tribeyes as um, one of your friends. You just go to the expo, find them or you just go to the link that we're putting up there um, claim your races put in race reports uh, you don't need to write books or anything like that you just need to put a little race report in there and uh, and put in what gear you use and you're away good old Andrew Kerr's on there as well nice is Andrew Kerr's very good oh, that's, 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 in, uh, that's in Challenge Monica yeah it is too because he's done it a couple of times now mm. ok so it's athlinks.com that kind of links us beautifully into trybys.com we've got there's a uh, Oh, look at their friend page. It's 
very nice. It's pretty flash. Can you go back, back, back one page? There's me. And there's nice. you. Nice. Yeah. Back one page. Sorry. Sorry, Let's Dad. Just have a look here. Tribeyes.com. Uh, what was the final one I was looking for? What were you looking for? You still uh, there's a song in there. Sorry? And I still have a Okay. So Tribeyes, yep. So if you're on their Athlinks page, they've got all the, obviously the companies that they support and they sell product of. So if you're unsure of some of the brands, go onto the Tribeyes page. I'm in the Athlinks page and you can check that out. And you need to make sure that you add them as a friend to go in the prize draw. Go on to, also onto trybuys.com onto their website. Obviously, you can get any gear you need. Yep, no brainer. If you're spending, if you basically, if you're buying a wetsuit, which is generally going to be you know, about the 500 US mark, if you're going to get one, like a, a Hair Blue 70 Helix, something like that, you go on there and um, you buy it, you'll get free shipping. Wonderful. 500, over 500 US. Internationally, within the States, 200 bucks. And you can be like Craig Alexander because he wears the Tribuys. I, I reckon um, they actually thought he'd be a winner. I think they might have done. Yeah, they didn't listen to you, did they? They did. So they, so they actually they asked me, should I sponsor him? I said, <laughs> yeah, he might do a couple of things. <laughs> he might wing I, a couple I, of I, I gave him the word back in the 90s. I told him the path to success. <laughs> it, took him, it took him six or seven years to find that path correctly. He didn't listen at first, did he, John? He didn't, but then he... But then he thought, wait, I should go back to what Coach John Newsom said to me. Because right. you weren't Coach John Newsom then, were you? Not that really. was the problem, John. You were just John Newsom. But when you put the coach in front of it, then he thought, wait a second, that John Newsom guy, he I vaguely remember when he chopped his finger once or something. And he dislocated it. <laughs> yeah. So, trybuys.com, your one-stop try shop. Oh, beautiful. Coffees of Hawaii. We need to get Coffees of Hawaii hooked in with um, with Ken Glower and Durant Sport Travel. Oh, we do, don't we? So we, can, we can all, the whole tour group can drink coffee. Well, yeah. So, the Albinator, who's one of the... Um, Runners of the organizers, owners of Coffees of Hawaii, athlete himself knows what the athletes need. Yep. Coffee's what they need. Albert, what we want from you next week is what is your favorite coffee for race day That's or for race week? Very nice. Yeah, so we want to know what your favorite race week coffee is and give us some reasons behind it. That's right. Yeah, he's saying sharp on race morning. Yeah. Oh, do you have coffee race morning? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Come on. Get you fired up. Ready to go. Personally, I like that vanilla stuff that they had on Epic Camp. It was pretty good. Yep. So coffeesofwai.com, get on there, get your coffee card. Oh, they've got a, a Facebook page now, have they? Yep. Didn't Find us that? on Facebook. Yep. yep. Uh, get on there, get that recurring order rolling. Yep. 500 fans, there you go. Wow. 500 people on Facebook like them, so there you go. Very good. Coffees of Hawaii, use the code IMTALK uh, and you get a 20% discount and it's all good in the hood. Okay, beautiful. Let's move on. Um, sponsors are... Coffeesofwai.com. Just favourite coffee for the race morning? Athlinks.com. Get on the competition. Trybuys.com. Win from Athlinks the competition. And bye. And bye. And John, what, what have you been up to? What have you been up to? Uh, had a little running race at the weekend. Oh, Re- yeah. Relay. How'd it go? Uh, pretty bad. Really? That's okay. It was, just, it was all part of... It's part of the plan to go bad, was it? Well, it wasn't part of the plan, but it's team racing, and you can't pull out a team, so I wasn't particularly comfortable about racing. A little bit of cold, my Achilles, I hadn't run for two weeks, uh, but I thought, it's team. What distance? Uh, and that's not good eight. when you haven't ran and you've got a sore Achilles, because yeah. it's five games hardcore. Yeah. It was, it's when uh, it makes it worse. But it's cool cool stuff. It's it's off-road, and it's um, running through forests and stuff, and uh, it was good fun. Time was pretty slow. What did you do? It was okay. Um, 18-something, rather. Oh, okay. How did the team go? We got second overall. By how many minutes? Not by very much. Did you let the close. team down, John? Uh, Ultimately, you did, didn't you? I could have done, actually. <laughs> I could well have done. 
it wasn't much in it. It was a handicap race, and we were, we were sick. I think we were second fastest team overall, and we were also second on handicap. So the, t- the team that was in front of us was actually slower than us. Yeah. But I think uh, I could have let the team down. Actually, oh, I probably, you know, if I'd been in good shape, I probably should have run maybe thirty seconds quicker. And I, yeah. don't, I think it was about thirty seconds, oh, wasn't it? John. So I did let the team down. Sorry, guys. What if they kick you out of the team? What if they say? No, now that you're a coach, you're no longer an athlete. It's not good. Have we gone for the rest of the week? Rest of this week, just took my new bike out for a spin. Oh. New Avanti road bike, love Short it. ride, I noticed, cold weather. It was cold weather, so it was just a little jaunt around short boats. Other than that, this week we have the JD Duathlons out at Ruapuna Raceway. Oh. Uh, so anybody, what does it It's on Saturday. You bring oh. Tyler out and do it. No, but when you, how often you do it? I'll do one. When are they? It's one now and there's one in August. How long? What, what's the distance? Short distance, 2.4k run, 16k bike, 2.4k run. Or if there's any kiddies out there, we've got a kids race, we've got a secondary schools race. Okay, when, when's the one in August? 30th of August. Oh, man, I'm away for both of them. Oh, you could ring me before you plan these things, okay? I could do. But Jeepers entries, you can do them up to and including on the day. We need some more entries, so anybody in Christchurch, come on down. Okay. You know what I've been doing, John? You may have noticed, although I've got my jacket on, so it doesn't help. I'm getting huge. You're getting bigger, I've been doing weights for the last three weeks in a row. Did a huge session last night. Right. You know what? You get get your sex face, someone told me, when you're doing weights. Okay. You get it? Because you... you, And you're taking measurements and stuff to see if you are actually growing? No, but admittedly, when you do it, it's quite cool when you do weights, because what happens is you actually get bigger when you're doing it. Like last night, we did triceps. And I, I went to it with one of the guys I work with at the gym, and he's pretty hardcore, admittedly, and so I was trying to lay some smack down, and I couldn't put my arms in. I was, like, I was bulging at the end of it. I was pretty excited about it. I have to say, I've forgotten how sore your body gets after doing weights, because I was quite seriously into weights for about five years, about ten years ago, and uh, and kind of done pump in between times, but not really serious weights, and back into it now, and... Man, it's, it's pretty hard. Body's not quite adapted yet. Well, it never does because you keep getting stronger. Mm. So you keep up. But, you know, feeling hardcore. So we had a few other things. We were, Sorry, anything else, Bevan? Um, going to Hamner. Going to Hamner? Romantic you weekend. You go to Hamner a lot. Well, you, I, we this try to have nice. a romantic weekend every six to eight weeks. Right. should do that in relationships, Sean. <laughs> should try doing it with two kids. Take the kids. <laughs> okay. Get a nanny. A <laughs> um, couple of other things. We didn't cover a few things we were going to try to cover today because we're... Um, it's already an hour and a half. It's already an hour and a half. <laughs> so we've got uh, Murray the Holy Hammer sent some stuff through. Um, Let's just wait till next week. A few questions. Look, we promised you next week, and we were going to do, we were going to do games, weren't we? But we're going too long. So next week, we're catching up on everything. We are. But so hopefully, hopefully we're going to have a Oh, w- so next w- week we're not. <laughs> hopefully. Well, it depends how long WTC want to talk to us for. We'll get you five minutes, I reckon. One other final thing. Bit of a celebration. We've raised enough money for our Kona oh, trip. Oh, true. So yeah, we're quite we're, happy about that. Yeah, we've, got, we've pretty much got there now. So if you're thinking of donating to the show, um, still feel coming. free to do that. Yeah, and, and it can definitely help us maybe upgrade our car. We're going to try and get, get it or something like that. Or get another microphone. And um, Yeah, so if you want to continue donating to the show, that's really great. But we've pretty much donated all the money we need for Kona now. And we just want to say a big thank you to everybody who's done that. Oh, yeah. it's, you know, it's blown our mind to think that you guys have you know, obviously think that we do a good enough job that you want us in Kona and uh, we appreciate all the support from everybody who's donated. Uh, for those who haven't got your nickname yet, we'll put them on next uh, week. Come in, probably got about yeah, seven or eight to do next week. Great, and uh, but just once again, you know, I am Talk is a big part of everybody who's listening and, and John and I's life, so uh, we really appreciate the, the, the things you do. Is this going to be a long show ever? No, I think we said like no. Okay, this is gonna be about an hour and twenty, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, longest show. Let's have a look. Well, we, we can do this now, John, because we can just go like this and have a look. Well, we're going to fit an hour 19 there. It's going to be right up there. Hour 24. Oh, hour 26. Andy Potts. Oh, yeah, 26. That, that was an epic, epic camp one. That doesn't count. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. 
And our 20, oh no, it's another podcast. It's going to be right up it's there. Up there. <laughs> it's up right there. Right up there. Let's move it to shut up. Okay. I'm Russ. I'm Minot. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.